Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hey, this is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com slash I Love That Movie. Um, and, you know, we do weekly bonus episodes on there. So usually it's what I'm watching that week, or sometimes we have guests on and we talk about different shows. We've talked about, you know, Loki, WandaVision, The Mandalorian. Um, so yeah, I do want to take a moment to thank my top patrons and they are Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you so much for keeping the lights on. And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Well, I've got a returning guest today. I have Colin. Say hi, Colin. Hi. Hi. Um, for those of you, or I guess for listeners that haven't heard your voice before, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Sure. I am Colin. My pronouns are he, him, they, them. I am uh, coming to you from Calgary, Canada, uh, Treaty 7 territory, and um, I am a big movie fan uh, in my, uh, and always have been uh, since as far back as I can remember. Uh, Watching movies has always been my favorite thing to do. Great. Um, Yeah, and I've had you on the show before. We've talked about a couple different movies, so definitely go back and watch those episodes, or listen, rather, to those episodes. But uh, my guest always picks the movie, so what what movie did you choose to talk about today? So I picked a film called Joyeux Noël. Uh, I'm glad you pronounced um, it for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my... um, over time, it's become one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um, I remember when I first saw it, I really liked it. But it wasn't until I had watched it a few times that I really came to appreciate it. And that's one of the things about holiday movies is mm-hmm. that there's a, they, they give you an excuse to rewatch them uh, on a regular basis. So there's uh, a number of movies that I love that are set around the holidays that um, I'll sort of get around to every year around this time. And this film became one of those. And um, the more I watched it, the more I loved it. I had heard stories um, along the lines of this before through other media and through other sources. Um, And so when, uh, when this movie came out uh, and, and I started watching it, I really just became one of the, one of the films that I watch every year and recommend to people when they're uh, sort of looking for something new to watch around the holidays. That's great. So this is my first time seeing the movie. 
So thank you for introducing it to me. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones that not a lot of people know. I mean, it was nominated for Oscar and wow. it um, had, you know, quite a critical reception, good critical reception. But um, I think m- maybe because a lot of people don't watch films in other languages and mm-hmm. it and it only had sort of a limited theatrical release, I think, in its time. Um, I, I, a lot of people don't know it. So it's one that I think people discover uh, later. Yeah. I noticed, you know, um, online it's, it's written both, uh, Joan Noel. Is that how you say it again? Yes. Okay. And then also of course, Merry Christmas. Uh, this came out in 2005 and I, I have to agree with you. I think the timing of this movie, like if this movie had come out today, I think it would have a much different reception. Um, cause it is such a special film, but you know, I was like, when, when I was watching it, I was like, I can't believe I haven't seen this. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this seems so up my alley. Like, you know, I, I, I'm glad that you introduced me to it. But um, like I said, it's the first time I've seen it. And uh, I do want to warn our, our listeners that, uh, you know, we are going to talk spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, you know, pause, go rent it. I, I think I spent like two ninety nine, three ninety nine on iTunes, so it is accessible. But here is kind of the summary of the film. With the advent of World War I, Europe is thrown into a brutal and vicious chaos as men are forced to kill or be killed. While blood soaks the battlefield as Christmas approaches, the men in the trenches of the Western Front face a transformation, however fleeting, toward peace and goodwill. Against all odds, four individuals from opposite sides bond during this bloodless, respite to experience the hope and goodness in humanity. Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a good description without, without spoiling much at all. Yeah. It but, doesn't really uh, say what it's about. It just kind of, you know, yeah. we know we're going to meet four people from different worlds. It's world war one. Yeah. I think it's a good setup right. for the film. Yeah. And it captures, it captures a lot um, of, of what's going on in the movie for sure. Yeah. This was written and, and directed by Christian Carrion. Uh, I was looking at their, you know, um, catalog. And I think the only thing that I noticed was the girl from Paris. I remember hearing about that film, but I haven't seen it. Hmm. I Um, haven't either, but I'd definitely be interested in checking it out. Yeah. Because I really like this one. Um, I also had a couple of quick facts I wanted to share before we kind of dive in further. Uh, the first one was that the character of the male opera singer is based on that of German tenor Walter Walter Kirchhoff, who traveled to the front in order to perform for troops. His performance was met by cheers from the French lines, whereupon he decided to climb onto no man's land to see who was cheering. So, you know, at least some of the, the stuff that happens in the film, I, I, you know, I kind of was familiar of the concept of some of the things that happened in the film. Um, And so, yeah, that's, I, I like that that specifically was, was taken from it. Um, My, my understanding is that it's, it's a fictional story based on numerous um, reports of events that happened around uh, the different parts of the war in yeah. World War One. Um, so the while while it's not a recounting of actual events uh, in quotation marks, um, it's it is sort of tries to incorporate much of the many of the stories that sort of uh, soldiers reported when they came back from from fighting. Yeah, exactly. And this film, um, just, you know, for to, to give everyone like an idea of the time, it, it takes place on August 4th, 1914, and then in December 1914. So those are like the two, the two days, um, or the two times. 
Um, and the, the film was also inspired by a book. Um, and there's a very specific chapter in it about um, Christmas in 1914. And that's kind of where some of it comes from too. And like you said, uh, from a lot of different experiences as well. Mm-hmm. I like that, um, uh, that there are, that they tried to pull, um, tried to pull moments that, um, you know, that represented real events, even as they were sort of putting together this um, fictional representation of that. Yeah. Well, normally I would talk about the, the cast. I don't know the cast very well, except for Diane Kruger. <laughs> what about you? Right. So I don't know a lot either. I mean, both Diane Kruger and Daniel Brühl have become bigger names in mm-hmm. um, in sort of American and Western uh, to, to, to moviegoers in, in uh, North America. Um, but I don't know a lot of the rest of the cast. Um, but uh, and and when I think when I first saw this, I didn't. I didn't know even even those two. I think it was after that that I wow. saw them in other films. Yeah, so kind of like a start for them. Yes. Um, well, then I guess should we transition into? Uh, do you want to talk about some of your favorite scenes from the movie? Great. Um, so I think for me, um, so for those who don't know, I mean, this does tell the story of uh, a Christmas Eve, as you said, uh, set on nineteen in nineteen fourteen. Uh, in on the front lines of World War One, there's a German um, group of soldiers. I don't know the the exact term, whether it be battalion or or what. But um, and then there are uh, two sets of Allied um, forces: a Scottish one and a French one. Mm-hmm. And um, through um, you know a series of events, they decide to uh, have a uh, a truce for Christmas Eve. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it does lead to the soldiers interacting with each other, getting to know each other and maybe being um, uh, maybe appreciating each other in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise. So that's like the, that would be my sort of summation of the, of the nature of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I think that there is that famous moment you've already alluded to it. The um, when, uh, when this, when the singer is, is singing, and um, in this film, the way they depicted it is that he's he's singing Silent Night in German. And um, and often when I hear these stories, it's Silent Night that is the song that's referred to. I don't know, again, yeah. if that's just legend or if there's something about that specific song that is. Maybe it's a song that is popular in multiple European cultures. Yeah. So maybe that's why. But um, and then in the film, the the Scottish bagpipes start playing along with with him. And it's just this moment there's it always touches me a little as as the as they sort of start sharing in that moment together and there's it's a little bit comedic in how the um you know the soldiers are reacting with a what what's going on and then, <laughs> but then they start all standing up and seeing each other and putting themselves in danger by standing up and putting themselves in full view of the other soldiers who of course in world war one when it was trench warfare and they were basically just dug into holes and shooting at each other from either side of those trenches um putting themselves in danger but they they do it anyways and they see each other and they look each other in the eye. And I think that that's the moment that always gets me. Like I've seen the film a number of times now and I still always sort of tear up at that moment. Um, So that's definitely 
I mean, and that's sort of the centerpiece of the movie, even though it's not necessarily the climax or the, um, the you know, it's it very much a midpoint in the movie. But for me, it's always sort of the, the, the important moment. I, I agree. Um, a few thoughts about it. You know, number one, I feel like for whatever reason, especially, I, I, I guess everywhere, um, we're really obsessed with World War II, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, people will joke the History Channel is a World War II channel. Um, I think because that war was so horrible, but so polarized, you know, like it was so obvious who the bad guys were, you right. know? Um, but, you know, World War One was so complicated. That was like a powder keg, right? That a couple of events lead to World War One. It was also the, the trenches that are depicted in this film. And, you know, I've always thought that that's, that's a war we don't see enough on screen. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's because it makes us so uncomfortable. Um, and, and there's something about the scene with, with Christmas and, and the music that, you know, it highlights the fact that all these countries are so close together and they have the same religion and how tragic that really is that they're fighting, you know. Yes, I, I think that's a really good observation that it's really easy um, to to have clear good and bad when you, I mean, it, of course things are more complicated than that, but, sure. but when you look at World War II, it's still just way easier to, to, to have good and bad, um, whereas other wars are, are, are more difficult. Um, and mm-hmm. this was certainly a period in movie making history, sort of as the boomers were really coming, uh, you know, making their making their mark on, on filmmaking where Vietnam movies were, you know, there was so many of them and, and they delved into all the complications of that. But, but you're mm-hmm. right. Maybe there wasn't a generation of filmmakers, you know, sort of struggling as much with, with world war one. And so we don't have that legacy in, in the film community. And as we do with maybe some other wars as well, there's yeah. been a few, I mean, there's of course, um, wonder woman was set during world war one, yeah. which I thought was an interesting <laughs> choice and reminded me, somewhat of this movie with it does doesn't it stuff. yeah yeah and also the way that that film deals with the complicated nature and and you know who's right and who's wrong and or, or is everybody you know playing a part right um exactly think, yeah yeah so i think that that was an interesting choice and another film that this one really reminded me of the first time i saw it and continues to sort of every time i see it is all quiet on the western front i'm not sure do you know that oh, i haven't one? seen that so it's, um, I, I'm going to get the date wrong because I didn't look it up and have it here. Um, I can oh, no it worries. Quickly. But it's also about World War One. Okay. Um, and it's, it was, I think it's like the third film to ever win Best Picture at, oh, wow. the, um, at the Oscars. Um, so I've just quickly Googled it. Um, oh, that's the, that's the novel. <laughs> so uh, the film was 1930. So wow. it was before um, World War Two, And so the... Um, so it's dealing with that and it also deals with, um, you know, sort of the, the similarities between all the sides and maybe the way that, um, they all sort of play a role in, in, in what goes on. It's actually told, it's an American film or a British film, I can't remember, but it's also, but it's told from the German side, which Mm. is interesting. Um, but it starts, one of the reasons why this film reminds me of that is in the, some of the opening scenes of All Quiet on the Western Front, there is a sort of scene where the rhetoric 
is being uh, of hating the other side and how awful the other side is is being told to um you know that is being told to sort of the youth or the you know the nation and mm-hmm. um and and it's shown as happening in each of the countries in the same way, even though they're on opposite sides. And they're basically saying the gotcha. same thing. Just yeah. the way that similarly to how this film starts with that, how there's those scenes in the um, in the classrooms where they're basically trying to villainize the other side. And, and, and we see them do it in each of the languages um, so that we, we can see how, just how, how much the same everyone is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this film really reminded me of that. I really like that this film, um, I like it when films have people speak in the languages they would speak in. Yes. I, you know, you mentioned that barrier with subtitles and that's still, that's still a thing. Yes. But it's like you sacrifice so much nuance, I feel like, when you don't have the different languages, you know, because it's like you, if you don't, you almost forget that they're on different sides, but when they're physically speaking a different language, I think it just, it adds a layer. And plus, I think it's a chance to showcase different actors from different backgrounds, you know, representing their, the the countries that they're from. That's right. Yes. Um, But it also just feels, um, it feels real. It feels like, you know, you see the, the French people's, the French soldiers speaking French, you see the Scottish soldiers speaking English and the German soldiers speaking German, and you see them, um, sort of attempt each other's languages as they're speaking to each other, which also felt, um, very real. I mean, we've seen Daniel Bruhl speak all kinds of languages in the different movies that he's been in. Um, so we know that he's fairly fluent in, in a number of them and, um, I think we've seen that with Dan Kruger, at least both. I think with, because she was in um, Inglorious Bastards, I think was one of the first times I remember her. Oh, and yeah. I, and that was probably a nod to this film, I, I imagine. She speaks a couple of um, languages in that one as well, I think. So mm-hmm. So it was just, uh, it was nice to see the um, the characters all speak as they would. They speak within their own tongues to their colleagues and their friends mm-hmm. and then they um sort of attempt um you know to to muddle through in in each other's languages as they're um going forward yeah yeah and i believe and i might be wrong about this but i believe that um I, uh, again i feel like i should have made notes on this more but uh, i think diane kruger was married to the actor who played the french general um, oh interesting so i should quickly look that up to make sure <laughs> no <laughs> worries have that wrong but um yeah. but she uh uh and there's a reference to that one of the things that made me think of it was there's a reference to that in when um i think the uh daniel Bull's character the german general says uh, to him uh you know he the, the french soldier apologizes for not having good german and he said, oh, it's okay, your wife Your wife isn't German. Whereas in real oh, life, yeah. the actor's wife is German and she's right there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I hope that that is correct. Guillaume Canet, I think, would be, um, and I think that he might have been married to her. Yep, and he mm-hmm. was, yes. So I believe they were married at the time. Yes, they were, according to um, Wikipedia. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, he is now... Uh, partnered with Marion Cotillard so he um so he has uh, two famous uh spouses wow um for me 
uh, a scene that really struck me watching this for the first time um, is the scene where the two performers or I guess they're opera singers, right. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are in the middle of a performance when yes. the German soldiers come in and it's just chilling. It's, it's frightening. I think they so perfectly portrayed like, you know, a lot of times in world in world war one or two movies we're, we spend so much time with the soldiers. We forget about like everybody else, you know, I mean, the um, civilians are almost like props or, you know, tragic figures in the background. But in this one, I like the way they, they did that sort of almost reminded me of sound of music a little bit um, mm. where, you know, they're, they're creating this beautiful art. She's singing. It's so beautiful. And then her boyfriend is coming around the other side to kind of join the performance. And then it gets interrupted and it makes you really stop and think about, you know, how horrible that would be for your whole mm-hmm. world to change in, in, in an instant like that. I agree that, that one is powerful because there's such a mixed reaction. And I think the film does a good job of, I mean, it only spends that time at, at, at in the August of, of 1914 for a very short period of the movie. Yeah. And the majority happens on Christmas Eve. But I, um, but that part I think was very effective in really covering a lot of emotions, like from, because there's always the people maybe who are, excited about this i think we saw that with the scottish oh yeah um, you're right yeah the brothers um but not the father i love the way i love the father's reaction also the the candles blowing out all at once oh it's just so good yeah i was gonna say that exactly i think it's (laughs) um that part always gets me too and it's just the the combination of just all the the trepidation the fear the excitement the um the the what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, you know, righteousness and all of the feelings that, that people are feeling as mm-hmm. their nation is, is going into war and, and how complicated that is. And even though the film spends a limited time on it, I think it really does a great job of, of capturing that. There's also an interesting turn to where I think it's the German sh- soldier, <laughs> German soldier, where the German soldier tells, um, you know, the artist that, um, that you know he doesn't like soldiers that are artists because they don't have anything to offer and blah 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 and how ironic that is later mm-hmm. during christmas when he's singing i just i loved that end cap of like i do feel like there's there's an attitude like that especially in countries where there's to me a lot of nationalism i think america's mm-hmm. kind of experiencing that right now where you know the arts are kind of downplayed right. as unimportant compared to uh, productive financial uh, you know, dr- financially driven pursuits, but you know the movie does such a good job of highlighting just how how important um, music is, how important art is, and I don't know. As yeah, somebody that loves much. art, I I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, his singing is what really triggers um, you know all uh, the events of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the connection between them um, begins because. Um, because they hear him singing and they, they start to play music along with him and they, they all sort of come in. And then that moment when he picks up the little tree and starts walking into no man's land, um, at any point someone could have shot him. Yeah. And yet there's that, um, you know, the spirit that he brings there and the, and I think the, I mean, I think it shows the, there's a moment there as they start to all come together and there's all that awkward 
saying hello and they sort of awkwardly give each other food and things like what they have on hand as little gestures. Um, and you can see there's this great sort of like, I think, relief for that, or maybe relief's not the right word, but there's this real like, we, we, this is not how we've been living for the past however long as we've been here. And there's just, you can see the desire for them to interact in this human way with these strangers that um, is really palpable because I think they've been in this other way of existing for months leading up to Yeah, that. yeah. It was such a, you know, terrible way to, to fight a war, being stuck in those trenches and um, oh, God, for months. I, and it's just, I remember even as a child, like, you know, learning about that at school and just being just horrified, you know, or hearing that about that for the first time, I just couldn't think of anything worse. So I think that's why, I don't know why World War One movies always kind of hit different for me, but I, I agree with you. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of points in the movie too, where they talk about like, oh, you lived here and I honeymooned there or wherever, right. you know, it's hard for us to get a sense. I think sometimes, especially if you haven't been to Europe, um, for a lot of people over on this side of the world to right. understand just how close all those places are and how, you know, they weren't enemies and then suddenly they were and how incredibly tragic that is. I mean, you know, I, I think the movie does a good job of sort of, of, um, communicating that. Not only were they not enemies, they're probably, um, intermarried and related. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, there's all parts, all kinds of parts of Europe where, where people have, you know, families have gone back and forth across different borders. Um, and it just shows that borders really are a, a construct that, yeah. you know, maybe a good doesn't point. always sort of hold up. Um, one thing that I noticed this time that I had forgotten about was, um, and I think this is again, a way to try to differentiate this story from, the World War II narratives that might be in our heads um, as in the, you know, this, uh, in our sort of movie going generation mm -hmm. is they, the, you know, the German general who is leading things points out that he is Jewish. You know, mm. He points out that it's, you know, he doesn't celebrate Christmas because he's, you know, he's Jewish. Um, but, you know, we always have this idea of the German soldiers as being Nazis. And so that was a way I think of, jarring us a little into realizing, hey, you know what, there's, um, this is a different war. And this is this is pre Nazi. And yes, um, yeah. and that these Germans are not those Germans. Um, certainly, it's not like the Nazis came out of nowhere, just like any, of course, um, any every country has, uh, um, you know, has problems with with the, that kind of ideology. Yeah, but, I mean, anti Semitism was not new. No, by any not stretch, and not, not limited to Germany, which is, no. I think, something again, that gets lost over time, you know, but when you, when you, you know, read a little bit about history and you see how long that had gone on, it kind yes. of gives you a better understanding of how, how Nazis happened. That's right. Very much so. But the, I, I again, I think that the character being Jewish is a way yeah. of reminding us that this is not a Nazi story. Oh um, yeah. That's such a good point. I, I think I missed that. So thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, and and because it's a Christmas story, it also points out too that hey, you know what? Because um, I mean, we especially at that time, certainly the predominance of Christians in all of those nations and those three nations that we talked about is certainly strongest. Um, 
but you know those nations aren't entirely monolithic either, right? And they're mm-hmm. made up of uh, you know uh, a, a mix of cultures and and people and and religions and things as well. So I appreciated that the film was. Uh, especially because it was dealing with Christmas, it was um, you know also pointing out that there's there's other people there as well that that um, you know where Christmas might not be uh, a thing for them or important for them. Yeah, very good point. Uh, what's another scene that you uh, really connect with? So um, I I like the story of the um, the, the singers and their yes. sort of defection at the end. I find that really interesting uh, as well. Um, and just how, um, you know, because by the point that they sort of start having those conversations, there's there's now a, a relationship, right? Yes. Um, yeah. You know, the, the two, ge- the French and the German general have established this um, proximity to each other. Mm-hmm. And how he found his wallet, all of that is, is you know, just... They, they've been in the same space. They have, um, you know, on the same street, they, they, they both recognize sort of similar places. And so it's, um, you know, they've, they've bonded in a way. And so there's this idea of, um, you know, them, there's relationships now between people. And so things can happen in a different way than they could have before. Right. Mm-hmm. Those uh, the two singers wouldn't have been able to cross the line safely um, before that. And now it's just a conversation that they're sort of able to have. They're able to be taken prisoner is the way they say it. Right. Yeah, um, it's such a good idea, but <laughs> dangerous, obviously, for both sides. But right. I think there's even some resentment um, from the soldiers against these lovebirds because, you know, everyone else has had to leave their whole families behind and fight in this war and they've chosen to remain pretty neutral and put their love for each other at the center. But I think as the movie goes on, um, it gets harder and harder for the characters, even having felt that way to see these two people so in love and so, you know, pure and kind hearted and it's, they just want to help them. Right. Right. Um, the film is interesting because it's one of the films that has, like most stories and films that we see have villains, right? Yeah. And this is one of those films that doesn't really, I mean, I, the closest we get, I mean, maybe at the end, um, when the um, when each side sends in their even higher ranking people to, pun- to punish them all. But, I mean, the closest we get is the one brother. Um, who's so angry yeah. about his brother's death that he um, sort of lashes out. Yeah. But even with him, we're sympathetic sure. to a certain degree. I mean, even though, I mean, we, I think we, we're not to agree with sort of how he feels, but we're to understand it. And so um, I always find stories that, that don't have um, anta- real antagonists um, interesting, like the, where, the, where the struggle in the story is, between the characters and their journey. Yeah. Hey, that was a criticism of Wonder Woman too. <laughs> <laughs> that there wasn't enough of a villain. Uh, but I I agree with you. To me, I find that more compelling. You know, mm-hmm. there's man against man, man against nature, man against himself. And right. I think this is an internal conflict um, that's, you know, which is interesting to have an internal conflict in a war setting. That's right. Because we, we, 
get to know the, the German soldiers, we get to know the French soldiers, we get to know the Scottish soldiers. And within that, we are sympathetic to all of them. We see yeah. um, all of their sort of struggles and their values and their um, ideals. And, and as they come together, of course, they see each other and, they, and, and all those things. And they see how close and how similar their experiences have been. Um, probably more so than they have with the people who are not there on the front lines, right? They have more yeah. in common with each other, maybe even than um, than they yeah, have. Yeah, it's sort of a brotherhood. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, I I appreciate that um, that that's the sort of how the story goes. And and again, seeing them share food together, seeing mm-hmm. them uh, the soccer, you know, play soccer. I thought that was just. <laughs> uh, and I read that there was in in the two. In the 2000 and somethings, I don't remember if it was 2008, maybe is coming to mind. I, I, I could be, have the date wrong. That the British Army and Armed Forces and the German Armed Forces had a ceremonial soccer game to commemorate oh, wow. the Christmas truces because that because soccer was such a part of, of that. I guess it was, again, that's another one of the reports that was coming out of these events was that they would play soccer in no man's land. Um, together. And so they, uh, I, I read that there was, um, um, and, it, and 2008 would make sense because it would be 100 years from the, uh, oh no, I guess that would be 18, wouldn't it? Anyways, whenever it was, um, there were, it was to commemorate the, um, you know, these, these truces that happened. That's really which, cool. Which is interesting because, from, again, from what I understand historically, the those in charge of these were often punished um they were disciplined for having fraternized with the enemy and having broken the um you know their their command they weren't following their commands by by interacting with the uh with the with the other side that makes sense and i think is just another example of they're not operating under their own will you know yes right yeah there was charges of subordination against the different um ranks that were in charge of that allowed the you know these interactions to happen mm-hmm. um i understand that the story of the cat is also based on real <laughs> events oh wow as well. yes there was um stories of a real cat that would go back and forth between the um between the different sides i love the, that's another great scene when they're arguing over the name of the cat because they've each named this cat <laughs> that has come and visited both sides <laughs> I just thought that was it's so and cute. It, it is cute, but it's also, I think, um, just you know, again, it highlights this. You know, to the cat, they're all the same, right? Ah, oh, that's such a good point. They're not. Um, they're one side's not right, the other side's wrong. The cat's not like um, you know. You could have seen a version of the story where they had an animal who would go and attack the other side and then come back, right, or something. But that's not. This cat instead just wanders through and loves all of them and interacts mm. with them all. And I just thought that was really a beautiful um, part of the story as well. I agree. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, I think this movie does a good job too of just showing like, again, we start to think of them as just soldiers, almost like they're not people. It's, you know, humanizing them. I mean, the ultimate goal is to get back to their lives. Right. And, you know, through through things like the cat and Christmas and stuff, it's like you see them as more human. And knowing that this is, um, you know, 1914, we know that it's not close to being over, right? This isn't yeah. like one of the last moments of the war or anything. They've still got years ahead of them, which, you know, I 
the the film is interesting because I find it very hopeful and inspiring, but at the same time, um, the ending is is sad and tragic because mm-hmm. they're again, as I said, they've got years of war ahead of them. Um, they are all getting disciplined for having fraternized with the enemy. They're all being sent off. Um, you know, the I think it's the German platoon that is told that they don't get to go home to their families there instead of getting <sighs> shipped off to Russia or something to fight mm-hmm. there instead on oh, the other front. Um, and uh, you know, the it it doesn't feel like there's a happy ending yeah. for many of them, right? I mean, um, you kind of assume the the singers will will be okay once they get to France and are because they'll probably be able to provide France with information and then and yeah. because he's famous already they'll probably get treated well I assume. yeah I mean a lot of people did flee during times like that during yes. then and World War II and were offered protection right because of their um, right status yeah yeah and I assume that's what happens for them I mean he is a deserter he because he's a soldier not just a a German that's um that's defecting but he's uh but i like i said i i kind of assume with his um with it being being a famous singer elsewhere because i think people mention that they've heard him even outside of germany oh wow the other soldiers mentioned that oh yeah Uh, yeah you're right and so um i i figure he'll probably get treated okay but i i sort of feel like this there was this brief moment where these soldiers were able to find some joy and connection and and maybe even a little bit of happiness in the middle of all this, but that they're not going to, it's not, it doesn't end well after that. Yeah, that's a good point. So I always um, get a little sad at the end of the movie, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, that's a reason why it's hard to cover World War One because mm. it's not over, you know? Right. <laughs> it's, it's more complicated it's all it, in some ways it's more depressing. The warfare seems worse, even though obviously really bad stuff happened in World War II. Yes, I mean, yes. but yeah. it's just still the, the, the way that war was fought is just, ugh. and then on top of that, it's not over. So I feel like a lot of times movies are like, let's pick the one where, you know, we really know who the bad guys are. It's going to end well. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think there's a tendency for us to kind of be less comfortable with this time period, but that's what makes it such an interesting setting for the, for the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. I still feel like it captures for me. I mean, you know, when you're watching holiday movies, um, you sort of want them to capture the um, something about the the spirit of the holiday, right? Yeah. And yeah. I do feel like I think that's why this one has grown on me and has become one of my favorites to watch each year because, you know, despite maybe the fact that it is there's a lot of sadness in it. It mm-hmm. also, I think, really does speak to, you know, when we talk about the true meaning of Christmas, right? And we, <laughs> that's always sort of a theme in, in these things. And I think this one maybe gets closer to that than a lot actually do. I, I agree, because it feels more authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and I mean, I love a lot of holiday movies and I, so I'm not, um, you know, putting any of them down. I enjoy them all. For oh, for sure. Reasons. But I like, uh, I like that what this one offers and brings to the the whole sort of Christmas movie um, pantheon that's, that's out there. And I hope that people listening to this might, um, if they haven't seen it, might, you know, want to check it out um, during, during the season. 
Oh, for sure. Were Were there any other scenes or or things that you wanted to to touch on in the film? Um. Let's see. Uh. I guess. Um. I I did. I I I think I've covered most of it, but I do like that. Um, there's that moment when the when the when they're first sort of in the ceasefire before the scene before the sort of coming together. Um, the Germans all throw their like little Christmas trees up uh, yeah. that they have in the trenches up on the side. And the other <laughs> sides immediately, the Scottish and the French immediately go, what, what are they up to? And there's immediately this sort of suspicion. <laughs> so I like that. Trans- it's part of that transformation from the shooting at each other and trying to kill each other to the, um, to the suddenly we're getting up and we're getting out of our trenches and we're coming together. And we're giving each other things. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, I think, you know, man, you had such a good point about, how this exemplifies like, you know, quote unquote, the true meaning of Christmas. Um, in any good Christmas movie, like you said, we want, we want that feeling, the spirit of what the holiday is about, but sometimes it can get, even in some of the good ones, it gets kind of, you know, a little goofy, a little corny, maybe a little forced, (laughs) but in this situation that is the stakes are so high, um, their, their, um, country's holiday traditions really, have a big impact. You know, it's like, why is it so important to celebrate and come together and, you know, share each other's company and, and share food and share drink? Like, why is that so important? I think the movie does such a good job right. of doing that. And that scene that you're talking about is again, agree, agreed a good transition. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings me back to a couple of questions for you then. Okay. Uh, if you had to summarize, you know, why why has this movie grown on you and, and why do you think you've seen it so many times? Um, well, again, I think um, because of the more I watch it, the more I appreciate the the characters' journeys uh, through it. Um, they each have, um, you know, I think the story does, the movie does a really good job of creating individual character arcs for all of them that, that you yes, can follow through true. and the threads through so they don't just all blend together into one um you know group uh so i appreciate that um the way it i think i've always been attracted to a little bit of um you know bittersweet kind of stories where there's a little bit of melancholy a little bit of uh, joy all sort of wrapped up together in one so there's that oh, i agree and uh as i said because it's a a holiday movie uh it's one of those movies that i just feel motivated to watch around this time of year and so i i've watched it a number of times that we've shown it to people i like i like showing it to people and and exposing them to it because as we mentioned earlier it's um it's one that not everyone has seen so it's one that i get to introduce people and i think most movie lovers have find joy in that you know, with people in their lives saying, Hey, I have something you should see that I want to share with you. Right. I think there's a joy that many of us um, cinephiles have in doing that. Yeah. 100%. Well, uh, how, how would you pitch this to someone that hasn't seen it before? Ah, good question. So, um, Oh, that's a good one. I, I, that's always a hard question to ask because it depends on the person, right? That's you, true. You might pick out different things based on what sort of they're most uh, 
um, you know, what might work for them. But I think really what I, what I like to focus on is, um, you know, that, that idea of approaching that, again, cliche of the true meaning of Christmas in a way that's maybe different from most other uh, holiday movies that, that they might see. It's definitely not a, you know, sort of a Hallmark Christmas movie. It's, um, <laughs> and also it's an understatement, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also maybe for people who aren't as big a fan of the Christmas movie genre. Yeah, that's a good point. That, you know, that off, that it comes at it from a different angle. So it might, uh, might be more up the alley of somebody who, you know, likes, uh, and, and not that this is an action movie, but I guess because it's a war movie, maybe it's, maybe it would be more palatable to someone who's an action movie fan, for example. It has, yeah. it has some comedy. It has some tragedy. It has um, um, moments that will make you cry and laugh. And um, it just, to me, feels like the whole package. I feel like Americans act like they invented Christmas sometimes. <laughs> and so I kind of like that about this movie that's like, no. <laughs> and so that's one thing I like about it. Another thing is... Um, yeah, I agree with what you said. It's not a Hallmark movie. It's more, you know, it's a drama and it's a really good one. And I think that if you're, you know, if you're interested in war, war films or period pieces, this is a great movie to check out. And I think it's got a lot of heart to it. Like you said, a lot of different elements that are blend together to make a really good film. The movie itself is a co-production, I think, between a number of countries. I think it was oh, officially cool. <laughs> the the French um entry for the oscars which it was nominated for foreign language film in its year um and i think it was the french um officially the french selection but i do think it was a co-production between uh, a number of countries and i think i like that aspect of it too is that it's this collaborative feel it's got a a, a large cast with no one main character no one main star um there's a number of countries they speak at, at you know, three different languages throughout. Um, I think I just like the, how, um, how collaborative that feels as well. For me, that, that really works. Um, I really hope that, um, you know, subtitles won't have to, uh, won't turn too many people off. I know that, you know, famously when Parasite won the Oscar, there was the conversation about the, the barrier that subtitles are for a lot of people. There is a lot of English in this film. I'm actually surprised it, um, it qualified for the foreign language Oscar uh, category because I do think there's a quota that has to be, you know, in non-English, like there has to be a certain amount of non-English in the movie to qualify. Oh. But there is quite a bit of English in this because, there is, yeah. you know, the Scottish uh, soldiers all speak it, but then also when they're all together, that is often the default language. Um, so, um, so it's not, um, I actually, would be curious. It it might be an interesting experiment to watch it with all the subtitles off and just let the languages, you know, let yourself hear the languages after you've seen yeah. it once. You know, I've, I I like doing that sometimes with movies when I when I don't speak the languages to just listen to the language and if I know the story enough, then I can still sort of follow it without having to read, you know, without having to know every word. Yeah, I agree. I think a film like this could could work that way because it um, because I think the so much of it is it's a very um, visceral movie. There's a there's a lot 
uh, going on. There's a lot of emotions in it. And, um, um, you know, like I said, I always, I still tear up at moments when I, when I watch the movie. Yeah. Well, Colin, thank you so much, you know, for picking this film, uh, to discuss. I always appreciate having you on, uh, where can people find you? Ah, yes. Uh, where can people find me? I never remember my uh, social media handle. So, I, <laughs> no um, <worries. laughs> um, but I think it's at uh, Raptor Colin with two L's and um, on Twitter. And um, that sounds right. That, yeah. And uh, I, in my regular life, I don't do much uh, uh, movie stuff, but I do uh, just um, watch a lot of movies, talk about a lot of movies with. Uh, with uh, people and uh, and uh, continue to watch them. So thank you so much for letting me talk about this movie. This is one, like I said, I do really like to share with people. And so this is a great opportunity to, to get it out there and maybe get people to, to see it. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Hope to have you back soon. Great. Thank you. And happy holidays to you. Happy holidays. 